Good morning. I am thankful this morning. I'm thankful for Jill. Uh, thankful for Eddie and Catherine coming up and reading. And I am thankful for Johnny Tollett, who every year makes what is a very difficult announcement uh, amusing, uh, informative, uh, and uh, we appreciate that very much. So, Johnny, I, I thank you for uh, doing that. I'm, I'm thankful for all of you and the ways that you continue to live out the mission of the church uh, through your life, through your time, through your uh, giving. Um, and I, I was asked by Jennifer to make one more announcement, and that is we need, we continue to need some volunteers for nursery, for uh, children's Church, and we could use your help. So this is one of those times, as, as Johnny talked about, when you see certain percentages of giving down, we know there's percentages of people down, which means we need, more volu- we need volunteers that step up on a little more regular basis than we sometimes had to have uh, in the past. That you may say, hey, I didn't have to be in the rotation as much in the past, and that's the reality of church now. And so we can apologize for it, or we can just acknowledge that we we need folks a little more often now, and maybe some of you who had done that in the past and you haven't done that as much recently, if you're able, if you're willing, we could use you. And so it would help if you can help out, if you can help Jennifer out. um, We need that. It was coincidence that I'm making this announcement on the same Sunday that we're reading this passage about the little children, uh, but we could use you. And that's what it means to be church. It is people uh, who use what they have to bless those around them. Let's pray one more before we get into our conversation this morning. Father, we pray that we would be a people who would use what we have to bless one another and bless the world. But as we pray this morning, and as we will talk about this morning, we realize, Father, that if we are to have anything to offer, we have to be a people who are open to receive. And so I pray this morning for all of us, for open hearts and open minds, and open lives. Father, that we would position ourselves to be filled over and over and over so that when we give, it is from the overflow of Your grace. And we pray this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to start with a bit of a confession this morning. And my confession is, apparently, I am a difficult person to buy gifts for. That's what I've been told. I am a difficult person. Other words that could be substituted for difficult, um, frustrating, annoying, You could find a variety of words to put in there. There are some people that are not difficult to get gifts for because they will tell you what they want, 
and they'll tell you when they want it, and they'll give you lots of advanced notice to know what they want and when they want it. Just want you to know, six months, it's my birthday. No, next month is my birthday. This month, it's my birthday month. It's my birthday week. What are we doing for my birthday week? Not just my birthday, but my birthday week. You know a few of those folks? And some people, it's not just when, it's what. And you don't have to guess what they want because they will tell you what they want. They will lay it out there for you. They will also drop all kinds of hints. They will pause and rewind when important commercials come on just to make sure everyone saw it. They'll send links. They will dog ear all kinds of pages and catalogs and magazines and leave them laying around their house. And some people, you don't need the hints because it is just obvious the kinds of things that they want. Their interests, their passions, their hobbies are on display for everyone to see. Just just get her another pair of Lululemon pants. She's got 87, let's go for 88. You can get some, you know that'll be good. Another sleeve of golf balls. How many does he have? About a thousand in the garage. We don't have room for them anymore, but just get another sleeve. You can, you can print the name on it if you want. You can make it one of those novelty types that sort of blows up into a puff of smoke. Just something golf-related. You know it fits. Just get that family some Razorback merch. Anything will do. Get them a sweatshirt. Get them a hat. Get them a t-shirt. Get them some shorts. You can't go wrong with some Razorback merch. But there comes a time for most of us when we have accumulated enough stuff, in fact, more than enough stuff, so we don't have room for it in closets, and then the attic runs out, and then the garage runs out, and then we go pay a couple of hundred bucks a month for an extra garage somewhere else so we can put our stuff, and eventually you start to say, I don't, I don't know if I need anything else. And most of us get to a point in our life where I don't feel like I've got just all kinds of discretionary funds, but if there's something I want, I don't really need you to go get it for me. I can get it if I want to get it. I might have to plan for it. I might have to save for it. And there are definitely some things that I can't get on my own. If I decided I wanted a little Italian villa in the Tuscan area of Italy, I'm probably going to have to depend on some as of yet unnamed benefactor who says, yeah, I'll get you that villa. Your expenses anytime you want to go, getting there, coming back while you're there, that's the kind of thing I can't just go get on my own. But if I want to get a pair of khakis and a button down, I can do that. I can take care of that. My taste, as you can tell, it may be average, but I'm I'm able. I'm capable. 
it's, it is a certain place of privilege. And I think it's helpful for us to recognize it's not a privilege that everyone in our country and everyone in our world has to get to the place in your life where you can honestly say, I can't think of anything I really need. Can't think of anything I really need. Which is what makes buying a gift for people like that so frustrating. What do you want? I don't know. I can't think of anything I really need. That is a place of privilege. Or what we might say is that is, that is blessing. And yet interestingly, Jesus says that that position, what we call a blessing... You know, that can actually be a real barrier when it comes to living most fully in the life of God. So I want us to look back at the passage that the Cretans read for us earlier from Mark 10. And we're going to stay in Mark 10. So if you want to open your Bible, you can also see it on, on the screen behind me to refresh your, your, your memory but if you've been at any church for baby dedication or some special uh, kids' service, then you have probably heard this passage. In fact, you've heard it countless times. People are bringing their little children to Jesus in hopes that He would bless them. He would place His hands on them and bless them. We just want a blessing from God. We want to experience God's favor, God's provision, God's health, God's life, God's grace. As Johnny alluded to, life can be hard now. It has been hard for many people now. But life for people in the ancient world was especially hard, especially for those who had little. And most of the people that listened to Jesus fell into that category of having little. I'm guessing not many of the people who listened to Jesus on a regular basis would ever get to the point where they said, you know, I can't really think of anything that I need. They had needs. And so they bring their little ones to Jesus, could you give them a blessing? Could you lay your hands on them? I'm praying for health. I'm praying their life would be a little better than mine. And if you're going to go to someone for a blessing to have them lay their hands on, Jesus is the person to do it because think of all the things that Jesus has done by this time in His ministry. He touches one man who's got leprosy and he's made clean. He touches another man who's blind and he's able to see. His presence casts out unclean spirits. His command calms raging seas. His mercy enables all kinds of disabled people to walk. His provision takes a lunchable and spreads it out over a multitude. His 
healing is so renowned that crowds are constantly following him around like little ones and puppies everywhere he goes. So Jesus is trying to get away just to catch his breath, and there they go. Crowd him so much that he has to get into a boat, and then he'll go to the other side of water, and there they are again. Everywhere he goes, we're just looking for a little something, something for us, something for our kids. Do you have a blessing? We sure could use a blessing. Would you share a bit of a blessing of God's grace, God's favor, not not on us this time, on our little ones. Okay, pretend you haven't heard this passage as many times as you've heard it. And the first time you hear it, what's the thing that stands out to modern hearers as odd, even offensive? It's the disciples, right? It's the disciples who are uncomfortable for us to hear about, who are like bouncers at a nightclub, letting some people in, but keeping little babies away from Jesus? Uh, yeah, you can come. You, you're good. You're good. Nope. Is that a kid? Uh-uh. Today, that's a terrible PR move, right? Not something you would see any politician doing. It's not something you would see on any church sign. All are welcome except babies and kids. Not really interested in them. It's a terrible PR move, but it would not have seemed all that odd or unusual for the original hearers. Because at that time, kids were not fond over like they are today. In fact, I want you to complete a sentence that some of you remember from your childhood. Children are best seen and not heard. You don't hear that one a lot today. That one, that one had some legs 40, 50 years ago. And that would have been, cl- okay, some of you are like, oh, we're, we're adopting that one in our, our family as soon as possible. But it's not, it's not a culturally adopted way of thinking about kids like it used to be, and especially in the ancient world. In the ancient world, the mindset was much different. Come back to me when you've got something useful to offer. Let me know when you can fix my meal or farm my field. And in the meantime, go get daddy the remote and get me a drink before you come back. That's the modern, that's the the ancient mindset. Okay, so what would have been odd in the ancient world was the invitation of Jesus. Don't hinder them. Let the little children come to me. And what would have been even more unusual is using little children as the illustration and inspiration of life in God. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. To which the disciples had to think, why? Why? What can tiny tots contribute? I'll tell you, they contribute a big bag of nothing. 
That's what they bring. What did what the little kids bring to a potluck? A big bag of nothing. What do your little kids add to the family income? A big bag of nothing. And if you were not buying and wrapping a present and then writing their name on the present as if they were contributing the present and putting that under the tree, then what gifts would your little kid put under the tree this year? Feel free to say it with me. A big bag of nothing. Of all the audience participation you anticipated this morning, was that, was that one of them that you thought would be a part of it? A big bag of nothing when you're talking about kids? But wait, there's more. If you think uh, that the first part would have shocked the early listeners, then they would have been floored by verse 15. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And then to put the exclamation at the end of his point, he took the children in his arms he placed his hands on them and blessed them. And there is a word in that description that Jesus gives. An all-important idea that's embedded in verse 15 that we miss far too often when we are talking about the kingdom of God. And the word is receive. Receive. And when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it's not just something we experience after we die. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is the God. It is God's life working through the world and through our lives. It is God's ways and it is God's will sustained by the love and the grace of God. We sometimes talk about spreading God's kingdom. But I think it's probably more accurate to say we open ourselves to receive God's kingdom. We sometimes sing about building God's kingdom, and we've got work to do. But in many ways, the work is to make straight the paths to receive God's kingdom. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, we learn to pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't go and get the kingdom. God is grace giver. It's not that we first love God. It's that God first loved us. We receive. And the disciples must have wondered how could the kingdom belong to a little child. What do they have to offer but a big bag of nothing? And it's true, little ones are not very good at bringing or buying or contributing or creating. You know what they're really good at? Receiving. And receiving and receiving, and receiving. 
And Jesus says, that's the way you experience the kingdom. Open, available, malleable, permeable, unpretentious, humble, needy, receptive. There is no reaching for the check with God to fight over who pays for the bill. Wait, wait, Lord, I was going to I was going to get it this time. Are you sure? Okay, what's your Venmo? We'll we'll square it up. I'm going to send you something. I will pay you back. Okay, you get the lunch this time, Lord. Let me get it the next time. There's none of that dance. And when it comes to little kids, when was the last time they reached for the check? Hmm? When was the last time they offered to pay? I'm talking the little ones. Not to take your credit card and then hand it to someone. I'm saying actually pay. They, they cover the expense. They don't do it. But they receive it. And you hope they start to learn to receive it with gratitude. But they receive it. That's... That's all they can do. Now, here's something interesting. The very next story is the story about the rich young man who wants to know. His question to Jesus is, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? Another interesting word there, inherit, to go right beside receive. And I don't want to dive into all the the meat of this encounter But just a reminder, in case it's been a while, this is a good, moral, law-abiding, command-following guy. And Jesus affirms that. He just says, you know, there's just one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the man has a lot, which means he's got a lot to let go of. And so he goes away Sad, but it's the part that comes after that I find especially fascinating, especially because it follows right on the heels of this discussion about little children and receiving the kingdom. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said it again, children, that's interesting. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved. Now, the disciples were likely buying into a popular theology of the time that can still be popular in certain Christian circles today, and that is the notion that one's wealth comes from God's favor. And the better the faith, the better the favor, and the better the favor, the favor, the better the finances. You heard that one? The better the faith, the better the favor. And the better the faith, the better the finances. But is that the kingdom that Jesus talks about? Sometimes people are full of faith and have a lot to their name in the gospel. 
Many times, the people who are held up with the most faith have very little to their name. In fact, Jesus warns, on more than one occasion, finances, which can be a blessing, can also be one of the biggest barriers to experiencing and being filled with the kingdom of God. And that teaching has always made people nervous. Enough so that people often go to extraordinary lengths to explain away this passage, especially verse 25, when Jesus says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And let's be honest, that is a funny image. The idea of a camel going through the eye of a needle. How do you get a camel through the eye of a needle? I have trouble getting string through the eye of a needle. Maybe the camel, you use the same technique. You, you lick the string, you lick the tail of the camel, and then however it gets through, it's not going to be pretty for the camel by the time that thing is done. It's a funny image. It's a humorous image. It is a, cr a crazy image. Now, I've preached on this before, but it is an image that is so absurd that for a long time people tried to say that Jesus didn't mean what it sounds like he means. So they talked about, uh, when you talk about uh, a camel going through the eye of a needle, they say, well, Jesus wasn't really talking about a sewing needle. Instead, they say there's this gate in Jerusalem that's called the needle's eye. That was a small gate that made it difficult for a camel to go through, especially a camel loaded down with a pack. But if you took the pack off and if the camel could get down on its knees and it could sort of shimmy and scooch and work its way through, then eventually that camel could go through the needle's eye. And there's been a couple of different things that people have identified. Well, maybe this is it, and maybe that is it. And there's a couple of problems with that. Problem one, number one, is there is absolutely no historical evidence that any such gate ever existed. And no one even suggested that any such gate ever existed until more than a thousand years after the time of Jesus. But I didn't have to know that to figure out that it completely misses the point of the passage. Jesus intentionally takes one of the largest land mammals in the ancient Near East and he evokes this intentionally absurd image. Or one might say, impossible image. In fact, it seems to me that someone did say impossible. Oh yeah, it was Jesus. Who then could be saved? Verse 27, well, with man, this is impossible. But with God, well, all things are possible with God. Maybe the problem all along is with the verb choice. You don't enter the kingdom of God. 
shimmying and scooching and crawling. You receive it. Because it is impossible to achieve is possible to receive. And all things are possible with God. Now, it can absolutely be hard for anyone who can't think of anything they really need to regularly put themselves in a posture of receiving. It can be hard to be open to all of the things of God if your life is already full. It can be hard for a nation who likes to think about and hold up this ideal that people, if they work hard enough, can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. I don't know how that's physically possible. But it's this myth of self-sufficiency. And if you are self-sufficient, it's hard to be dependent on faith. It can be hard for people who pride themselves in spiritual knowledge and moral maturity. Especially those who arrogantly, secretly think of ourselves above others to then perpetually adopt the posture of a child. To know there is nothing that we bring. It is only what we receive. We're continuing in messages on grace that Bryce started us with last week. And it is grace that's going to carry us through this Advent and this Christmas season. And next week, we will talk about grace and growing in generosity. And you may remember there is a verse that's quoted a lot this time of year when Paul quotes Jesus from Acts 20 in saying, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that is absolutely true, and we're going to talk more about that next week. But here's what we remember as we move into this Christmas season. If we want to have anything worthwhile to give, we first have to be willing to receive. We've got to be open, available, malleable, permeable, unpretentious, humble, needy, receptive. Because the kingdom of God is impossible for us to achieve. But it's absolutely possible by the grace of God to receive. Because all things are possible with God.